What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and who are you? I am Barry Horn, and on the line we have... From surprise, with an exclamation point, Arizona, young Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. Hello, gentlemen. Oh, he is. How are you? Evan, Evan, listeners should know, Evan does a 180 on us uh, every week. Yeah. He sounds like his dauber's down, and he's very serious, and then... The lights and the cameras go on, and the oh, microphone comes on, and he's the lights mi- go on, and, he, and his lights go on, and he's Mister yeah. Cheery, yeah, Mister Personality. Well, everybody knows I'm a great big fake, so you're a bon vivant. No, I'm a fake. Oh, but st- I'm here for you. Stop it. So, Evan, we had a big day out in Surprise yesterday because Adrian Beltre, everybody's favorite Ranger, showed up in town. Yes, he did. He showed up. <laughs> And he had some things to say. He did have some things to say, thank goodness. And it, kind of made a, it made a short day for you guys, didn't it? Well, it at least gave us an interesting story. I'm not so sure there's a ton of them running around here right now. No, no. So I, what did Adrian have to say? Very just cut to the chase here. Yeah, very just moving things along. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> what did Adrian have to say? Um... Well, I, I think that the important thing was that Adrian Beltre hadn't addressed the media since the end of last season, and the way things were left at the end of last season was, you know, this was a guy who said he didn't want to sit through a rebuilding process, that had talked about meeting with John Daniels, about finding out what the direction of the club was, and um, then we sat through an off season in which the Rangers were frugal, to say the least, and... They didn't add any big-time free agents, and this team goes into the season certainly behind the Houston Astros, who were the world champions, and looking up at the world champions in their own division for only the second time since 1990. Uh, And the Los Angeles Angels grabbed the guy the Rangers most wanted in Shohei Otani, and they've also improved their club with Ian Kinsler and um, uh, Zach Cozart, and, and they are a greatly improved club, and you look at this team, and it's it is not in a great position in terms of contending for the American League West championship, and and so the I think everybody media wise wanted to get Adrian Beltre's temperature on all this, and and Beltre, to his credit, was was very blunt. He wasn't didn't rip anybody, didn't say nobody did their job, but he said, "Listen, I you know I think there is more that we could do, and there are some free agents out there that." that I think can still help our club. I think where Adrian I think where Adrian and John Daniels probably aren't seeing eye to eye 
is I think Adrian feels like if you went out and got one more big time free agent, a pitcher, say a starting pitcher, it would greatly enhance this team's chances of contending. And I think the reality is that one pitcher is not going to one pitcher, one player is not going to change the dynamics of this team. You would have to go out and acquire multiple free agents or would have had to acquire multiple premium free agents to make this team a legitimate contender on par with the Astros and, um, and, and angels and the rest of the American league. And I think that the time came for the, for the Rangers to basically tap the brakes a little bit and say, we have got to reposition ourselves to go forward. And that's the, uh, that's the tough situation that, that Beltre finds himself in. Now you just wonder whether or not, how this will play out as the season progresses. So how long do you think Adrian will be here now? Is, is this Adrian's message, I don't want to be here unless uh, we bring some more players in? I'm no, at, he, at, at I, the tail end I, of my I career, Adrian, I want a shot at the World Series. He definitely wants a shot at the World Series, and I think that the Rangers know that. And I think that the Rangers also will try and make that happen for him if this team – doesn't perform uh, on the upper scale of what they're they're capable of doing. Look, there's there's always the possibility that the guys the Rangers the Rangers acquired could could all perform or most of them perform above where they did last year, have bounce back years, and this team could uh, could certainly contend for a wild card spot. But if it doesn't, if things go if things go wrong, and this team finds itself out of the race quickly, I think that you'll see the Rangers try and deal Beltre at the, at the all-star break and get him an opportunity to take another chance at the playoffs. Look, he's been close. He's been to the playoffs uh, in 11 with the Rangers in 2012 with the Rangers in 15 and in 16 with the Rangers in 13. They played past game 163. It's not like he hasn't had opportunities to go to the playoffs. Uh, it just hasn't happened for him to win a world series. All right. Here's the here are the two things here, and and uh, and Evan wrote uh, about this obviously today, as did I for the Dallas Morning News. Uh, what has changed here? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say this: when what the Rangers have said, and when I wrote initially, when they they made these deals and signed these uh, people, and then made acquisitions like Matt Moore. Um, that this is kind of running up the white flag. It's not, it's not the same thing as tanking, but it's saying, hey, we're, we're really not going to win. We're, we're, we're going to, you know, give it a decent shot here. We're not going to sell off all our parts. That's what tanking is, sell off all our parts. But, uh, but we're going to just kind of take it easy here. And it's like, oh, no, 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 that's not what they're doing. They're not running up the white flag. They're trying to compete here. So, so, the, so the deal is, is that you go out and sign three pitchers for basically $20 million dollars uh, the chances of getting all three of those guys to come through to be what you need them to be is practically nil. I mean, I, I think if you get one of those three, you're doing you're doing well to do that. So that means you're you've thrown away maybe twelve to fifteen million dollars here because there's there's just no way all three of those guys are going to perform the way you want them to. I, I would bet that that at least one of those guys may not even be on the roster by by the All Star break. Uh, so. Secondly, the market's changed, and that's the most important thing here, and this is what Adrian Beltre is saying. Not only are, are there still free agents out there, uh, a bar has been set 
by you Darvish's signing, in which he got six years, $126 million, which comes to $21 million a year, which if a year ago you had said you Darvish can be had six years, $126 million, everybody would have said the Rangers got to sign him. You, you, you got to keep him. That, that's, that's, that's an unbelievable value over everybody thinking he was going to get $30 million a year in, in, for five years. So that sets the bar for everybody else, the Alex, the Alex Cobbs, the Lance Lins. All these guys now are going to come in somewhere underneath that. Now, I, I'm not saying that Jake Arrieta will. I, I, I think there's a possibility that maybe he gets more money than, than Darvish did. Um, probably, he shouldn't, but there's a possibility he could. So to me, you take one of those guys, uh, you you get him, uh, you know, uh, five years, a hundred, a hundred million, um, wh- whatever it is that you get those those guys for. Uh, that's a that's a not only something to help you this year. That's a bridge into this next generation that they keep aiming for. Because as we know, there's nobody sitting on the doorstep in that farm system ready to step into the rotation in the next year or two and be an up uh, a three, you know, there, there might be something that could be a four or a five and maybe they could work their way up to that, but there's nobody right away. So in my mind, you're, you, you, you go out and get a pitcher like this. It's not going to be enough to make you even with the Astros. Nothing you do is going to make you even with the Astros on paper. But if you're, if you're really talking about being competitive and giving your ch- team a chance to be a, a, a wild card player, as we all know, things can happen. Dallas Keuchel could go back in the tank of what he was two years ago. You know, guys can get hurt in their rotation. Guys, guys can get hurt in, the, in their bullpen. Guys can get hurt in the field. There are all kinds of things that can happen over the course of a season. And to go into the season saying that, you know what, we just really can't compete with them. We don't want to spend the money. This is not an issue of giving up people in the farm system. This is just a, merely an issue of we just don't want to pay anybody any money. And when, in fact, in on this club – there is only one bad contract on it, and that is Shinsu Chu's. Uh, I would say that, yeah, in, in some ways we're, we're arguing semantics, and maybe we're even arguing semantics between what is, you know, raising on the white flag and what is tanking. I mean, it, it's, impo- it, it's entirely possible that basically John Daniels knows the team is going to be worse than it was last year and or, or believes the team is going to be worse than it was last year and uh, they are well on their way towards uh, hoarding draft picks in the top in the top five you think it's but a possibility I, 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 well I don't think that I, I look he's never going to say that right. I don't think that, that, that this is the guy who would who would acknowledge that. They spent $21.3 million this year for Matt Moore, Doug Pfister, and uh, Mike Meyer. Um, could those guys come through? Yeah, they could come through. What's significant about that is they spent the same amount of money on three pitchers that they would have uh, eventually to, to to what Darvish got for, for the first year of this contract. Right. And they needed – this sounds bad – they needed quantity. They just—they didn't need—they didn't need one quality pitcher. They needed quantity, and that I think figured into their their thinking. I think they also did think that the market for Darvish was going to be 150 million dollars or more. And I think now with the guys who are available, with the Lynn and the Cobb, you are talking about a team that certainly has started to reposition itself towards towards the future. Lynn and Cobb come with draft pick compensation penalties, and. The last thing this team needs to do right now is give up more draft picks. So uh, I, I think those two guys, uh, there's some issue with those guys there. 
I think you also have to look at John Daniels' track record, um, Kevin. And this is a guy who, in 12 years, and we talked about this last night, this is a guy who, in 12 years, has given away two pitching free agent contracts of more than three years to anybody. One was Kevin Millwood, his very first winner as the GM, and a lot of that, I think, was uh, pushed by, by ownership, by Tom Hicks. And the other was Darvish, who was an absolute bargain for $100 million in six years and was a 26-year-old pitcher. I think you. I think he feels like thirty-year-old pitchers on four or five-year deals or longer deals are bad investments, and they are trying to, at this point in time, not rid themselves of bad investments per se because they haven't been able to get rid of the, the chew contract, but they are trying not to overburden themselves with more long-term bad investments. I I, I, th- I get what you're saying, and I, I think those are all really valid points. I, I guess my issue is a four or five year deal for me, even for a pitcher, because we know that those are the, usually the worst contracts are the ones for starting pitchers, and the Rangers have never had a, a huge commitment to pitchers, uh, not in well, not in any era, um, but certainly not in this one. Um, Cole Hamels, as we talked about, is making twenty two and a half million dollars. Does it? Does that keep up? Uh, does that sustain to the, the the remainder of his contract that same number? Uh, I believe that you know this is the last year that's guaranteed. He's got an option for 2019 that that is a club option at this point because he won't be able to reach the innings pitched uh, threshold to vest it. And I think the club option is for 20 million, but um, I don't know that there. Are, I think there's a legitimate chance that come, you know, the the trading deadline that Cole Hamels is no longer a Ranger either. So yeah. I, I think that be, that very possibly becomes a moot point. Yeah. Uh, I guess what's the, the way I look at this is that um, um, I'd have more confidence in the Rangers not giving up picks. Uh, I hate to sound this way, but, you know, they gave up Dylan Tate after one year, the fourth pick of the draft uh, for a rental. Uh, for Carlos Beltran, you know, and I realized that they were they were chasing something at that point. You would have more you would have more faith in this philosophy if the Rangers had showed you more ability to draft and develop pitchers. Yes, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Um, and this is this is an issue for this team. They have not drafted and developed their own pitchers. Now I'll go back to what the party line always is on this, that they've used their pitchers as equity and, and, and inventory to make other deals like Bevin, Michael Maine, uh, well, all the guys Dick that went Thompson, for, for oh, him guys in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Erland, Joe Whelan, I and mean, it goes on and on. And none of talk- those guys with the exception of Kyle Hendricks, who they basically, you know, who they gave away, Right. In a lot of ways, not who was not a big time uh, piece prospect in a deal. No, um, is the one guy who has turned into a, a legitimate major league starter. But the bottom line is, this team, one way or another, this team has not gotten uh, development from the position that is the most valuable on the field right now. So yeah. you're, you're sorry, my my microphone. Just, so you're kind of agreeing with Kevin though that these guys didn't make it, but the Rangers drafted them. So, yeah, you can't. Well, you can't deny that. I agree with Kevin that that look. I mean, it's it's hard to buy into. We've got to hoard draft picks, and we've got to we've got to draft and develop when you haven't 
shown a lot on the pitching side, draft and development-wise. But the flip side of that is that still the only way to get uh, a manageable core to have a long-term future is to draft and develop your own pitchers. You may not have done a good job to this point. You've got to do a better job going forward. It doesn't mean you don't do that. Yeah, my my problem with that is just what we talked about is that you you've got to see these guys develop. You you can't just say okay now we're going to start developing our own pitchers uh, because you could be talking about something years in the making there uh, and and they and they and they have some prospects but it's not like uh, you know when you look at the Rangers or you look at these lists by Baseball America and everybody else and they talk about their the top one hundred. Uh, the the players that are listed uh, for the Rangers are always position players, uh, right. and they have had some pitchers, and you know, and especially in the Phillies deal, they had some guys there, but none of those guys has made, as, as, as you pointed out, has made it, and that's the thing that's to me that's interesting, is that for all the talk about them having traded away all this this young pitching talent. I mean, these guys would be would be working on this staff, you know, now because sure. because of all the things at the back end of it. Uh, and I didn't have listen, and I was the one that campaigned for the Cole Hamels trade. I didn't have any problem with that deal at all. I think it it, it worked out as it should have. Cole Hamels has lived up to his end of the of the deal. Uh, he, he's he's been a very effective pitcher for them, and he may continue to be. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't look real good, although watching his numbers at the end of last year doesn't mean he can't rebound and. And pitched better this year. He's a very conscientious guy and and uh, and a very smart pitcher. And he and he and I'm sure he's going to work on those things. But we'll see where that goes. I just think that uh, in this, uh, when you're, everybody thinks now that the way to go is because of what the Astros did. Oh, you, if you tank, look where you end up. Oh, uh, those were right. some those were some awful years in Houston. Some really awful years there. And there's no guarantee that these things work out because, as we know, for every Carlos Correa they had, um, th- there were there were busts, too. There were guys that they took in the top ten of the draft who did yeah. not pan out. Um, okay. And- okay. All agree. All agree. And I, I, and, and I, I think, Kevin, you make, you make great points. Um, I just feel like this team has to listen last year they made some significant philosophical changes at the minor league level in terms of emphasizing fastball command making pitchers use the fastball um, to throw strikes and making them move the fastball around the zone more so than go into their secondary stuff that was a great first step and they saw some results particularly in the second half of last year. It was all at the lower level. Um, every organization has guys at the lower levels that they will point to. The big steps now are going to come in 2018 and 2019 as these guys start to mature through the, through the system. But it still puts this club at the major league level in a really difficult spot where either you're paying a premium for starting pitching or you're going to have to go out and just kind of draft – grab mass quantities of guys and hope some things stick. And, and I think that's, I think in a lot of ways, that's where this team is this year on a perspective, particularly on a pitching front, you know, they are going to try and move Mike Miner from the road, from the bullpen into the rotation. Uh, something he did well previously, but then had two years of injury. They're going to try and do it with, uh, with Matt Bush. 
they are going to try and go with a six-man rotation or at least with a philosophy that they are going to give guys uh, five days of rest between starts. They're doing that with by keeping Jerks and Profar on the roster and not dealing him. Um, he is going to play more regularly. They are going to try and throw some things against the wall and see what sticks. And that's kind of the that that's kind of where they have gotten themselves to. And without being willing to drive their payroll to 180 million dollars or to push the the, the the luxury tax threshold, which ownership of the Texas Rangers has never been willing to do, unless they're willing to do that. I think that they were going to be fighting an uphill uh, an uphill competition. I want to make one last point about this before I let this go. The Rangers, as we said, have never really spent on pitching. They, they of course, there was the Chan, in the previous administration there was the Chanho Park fiasco, and there were some bad free agent signings under John Hart uh, initially that really put the, the organization behind the eight ball. But for the most part, since then. Uh, not spend a lot of money on it, and that is that is the, uh, the the reverse of everybody else in baseball, and pretty much in everybody else's uh, organization except for Oakland's, uh, you 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 spend from a from a standpoint of per man, you're spending more money on your starting pitching than anything else, um, and and to me this is the this is the flaw in my mind with John Daniels' philosophy, and I I, I get what he's saying. In general, you don't want to. These are the worst contracts you can spend. Uh, is is on pitching. The problem is, is that okay? Then then it's on you to make sure you develop pitching. Well, the Rangers have shown they can't do that. They have not done that. But they have been very good at developing, or at least pretty good at developing position players. They have made very good free agent signings of position players, such as Adrian Beltre, which who might be the best free agent signing in the history of the organization. Um, so they have shown that they can spend money wisely and, 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 and develop players and, and, and potential stars on other parts of the diamond. It seems to me reasonable to think if, if we can continue to do that until we actually do develop some pitching, that we need to spend some money on pitching then. I just, that just seems to be reasonable to me to think that. I, uh, listen, I cannot disagree with what you're with what you're saying um and i i do think that the chances of this team taking a step backwards this year are significant based on on where they've gone but i think they're we go back to the word philosophy and i think they feel like in in a game of percentages here their chances of being able to fix all the things that were wrong with this and operate under whatever arbitrary budget they have paid they have painted for themselves are well less than 50, 50, 50. So they've got to try and be quote unquote creative. What's it going to lead to? Is it going to lead to an interesting team? You know, I, I, I sit here my first week in surprise and I do wonder, you know, is this team going to be very interesting? And uh, I don't know that it will be. Um, when you say interesting, have, Evan, when you say interesting, are you talking competitive? Yeah. Competitive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the team that's going to keep people's interest for, for, for the full season. Um, uh, on the positive side, I will say this. You know, Matt Moore has the stuff to be a really good left-handed pitcher. Um, Mike Miner was a 
very serviceable middle-of-the-rotation pitcher with Atlanta before the injury, was a dominant reliever last year. Matt Bush has electric stuff. There are some positives on a, on a number of these guys, but as you said, it is a game of, as, as you said and as I reiterated, it's a game of percentages, and the chances of all those guys hitting at the same time are not great. They are, for lack of a better term, throwing things against the wall this year, hoping it will hit. Maybe it does, but I think history-wise tells you that the chances of, of that happening are well below 50%. Evan, you know, we got, I, I want to bring up one more thing with you because we're, we're having a kind of a quick addition today. We got, you know, David Moore is waiting for us. He's, I think he's outside the door right now knocking on the door. We're trying to ignore him. Is that for what, a Cowboy podcast? Cowboys podcast, yeah. There's some things happening with those guys, too. You brought up Ian Kinsler's name, and that's interesting to me. As looking back on that, um, the, the the Rangers traded in Ian Kinsler to Detroit, of course, for Prince Fielder. Um, and the thinking, well, one of the reasons their motivations for that was that Jerickson Profar was going to play second base. Uh, and then Jerickson got hurt, and then Ruggie Odor came in and played, and then Ruggie got off to such a great start, and everybody thought, well, this is all good. And now Ruggie has, progr- uh, has regressed. Uh, and, and of course, who, who knows? He's still young, and who knows what can happen now going forward. But Ian Kinsler, as you said, is still a very good player. As a matter of fact, was probably a better player in Detroit in many ways than he was uh, for the Rangers. Looking back on that deal, and you couldn't have known all those things, obviously, but looking back on that deal now, uh, was that a mistake? I, I think, look, you know, the only way to judge in hindsight is results. The results-wise, yeah, it was a mistake. I think at the, at the time, the Rangers thought, look, we need some guys with more patience and smart at-bats, which is the reason that they went for both Fielder and Chu that winter, because they were going to make themselves a tougher team to, to face at the plate. And they felt like, look, we've got the number one prospect in baseball. We've got to get him on the field. He can play second base. Kinsler had declined uh, the, the the club's um, suggestion that he moved to first base, and and probably that was a good idea by Ian because he's been one of the best defensive second basemen in the American League. He was a Gold Glover. Um, and, and so yeah, in in hindsight, it was it was not a move that worked out. But I think I think the thought process behind the move was sound, given all the dynamics that you had. Uh, but when you're and the Rangers followed all the typical protocols related to a trade where where medicals are exchanged and all of that is it goes goes on. They didn't insist on on a hands-on physical on fielder. No team really does that with with a player that they trade. They just look at medical records. So would they have had any better idea that Prince Fielder's neck was about to explode? Uh, I don't know. But it, it, it certainly did not work out for them. In hindsight, it wasn't a great uh, – didn't, they didn't get great uh, compensation for Ian Kinsler, and they ended up with a guy who – I think maybe the biggest question that I've got about that whole deal is – the more I've seen a Jerickson Profar, and he may well still end up being an everyday player in the big leagues, but I've seen nothing of, of, of him when he's been healthy that says, 
this is the best prospect in baseball. So yeah. how, did he he, sure. have, how did that happen? How did it happen that uh, he was I, the top prospect in baseball? Two years in a well, row. I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you in a minute. But I think part of it, you know, part of, look, this is not a guy that's got great speed. Right. Okay? He's a below average runner for a middle infielder. He's got very good hands and very good instincts at shortstop. So that's a plus. As a hitter, he's been subpar from, from the left side and absolutely awful from the right side. Um, and, and so he hasn't been an effective switch hitter. And I think the Rangers have done something of a disservice to him by trying, you know, last year he was at this point in time working with Andrew Jones on the Netherlands WBC team about trying to learn how to play center field and then came back here to play some left field. So I don't know that they've done him a whole lot of favors either. I, I, I think Profar, Profar rose to um, – some level of recognition by being a star on the Curacao team in the Little League World Series. So at the age of 13, here was or 12, here was a kid who already was on the scene. Um, he had great aptitude and great instincts at that point in time. I think everybody looked at his body and thought, this kid's going to fill out. He's going to hit with more power. Um, and, and he just had a good understanding of the game. But the tools, the raw tools, have never, have never flourished. And I think part of the reason that Jerickson Profar became the number one prospect in baseball is the Rangers game the system pretty well. That there is this, you know, the, the, the ranking thing is all a subjective deal. And uh, Baseball America has contacts within organizations. Organizations have contacts at Baseball America. Um, the same thing with, with the MLB pipeline and, and, and baseball perspectives. And I think the Rangers hyped Yurks and Profar as much as they possibly could. And it was in, it was a time when when still the metrics and, and analytics at the minor league level weren't as, as uh, and, and the video wasn't as prevalent. And I think that um, they were able to hype this guy into the number one prospect. And did it help them? I don't think it's helped them because it's put them in a situation where they haven't gotten they haven't gotten they weren't able to trade him for whatever they thought his value was, and he certainly hasn't played at the level that you would expect the number one prospect in all of baseball. Teams. So, so it's a two-edged sword when you do when you hype a guy that maybe shouldn't be hyped, but when they weren't able to trade him for the quality that they thought uh, they they believed or fans believed they should get back in return, that was a huge red flag. Shouldn't it have been a huge red flag, Evan? Well, I also think that the Rangers may have been in denial to some extent and thought that they did have a better player on their hands than, than, than appeared to be the case. Well, um, I will say I, this, there's no sense in giving him away, though. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with the fact no. that they haven't traded him. You know, I, oh, I think you, you put him, you, you give him this chance this year. The thing that's interesting to me, and we really don't you have You don't time. give him away. You don't give him away, but, Kevin, there was a point in time when you, you thought you were bursting at the seams in, in depth at the at, at middle infield. Oh yeah, with yeah. Profar, sure. Odor, Lurie Garcia, yeah, um, All right. Luis Sardinas. You thought you were bursting at the seams with talent at the minor league level, and you could have turned that into a young, controllable pitcher. And the Rangers didn't do that. Yeah, that would be the biggest issue that I'd have with any of that. And now none of those guys. None of those guys have developed. You know, Sardinas right. never developed into an everyday player. Garcia's a backup. Uh, Profar has certainly been set back by the injuries and, and the lack of performance afterwards. But while the Rangers had all that depth there, 
they never were able to, t- to turn that depth and what should have been an asset into um, into a, a, a legitimate starting pitcher or, or or arm for their team. So I'll go back and ask you: the, Were they fooling themselves? You know, I don't know. I don't know that fooling themselves is the right. I think you know, there's always a deal on on uh, on prospects, and yet it's the thousands of them yeah. that don't work out. It's like Lewis Brinson. Everybody, you know, that that trade looked awful when the Rangers traded Lewis right. Brinson and Luis Luis Ortiz uh, for uh, Jonathan Lacroix. So, it, it, but now, and now Jeremy Jeffries uh, and and Jeremy Jeffries. Uh, uh, but now, you know, the, the Milwaukee has since moved on from Lewis Brinson. Right. You know, and, and right. Well, they also got an All Star center, uh, an All Star outfielder who's under control for multiple years. But right. they also had they'd already added uh, uh, the I'm gonna, uh, Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain at that point. So you've added two outfielders. So in a way, to me, it's still saying you know Lewis but Brinson should have been Lorenzo Cain, right? I mean, right. that's what everybody and thought. You would right. like to, yeah, so. you would like to think that, but again, that you know, Lorenzo Cain has those skins on the wall, and Brinson may someday, but he he hasn't yet. Yeah. So so, um, so. I, I think I, when you ask the question, were the Rangers fooling themselves, Barry? I guess the question, the answer I would say is, I think to an, to a degree, I think that sometimes the the biggest, I, I think one of the biggest crimes against uh, against their own administrations that clubs can make is over evaluating their own prospects. Yeah. And, you better or valuing their prospects. Yeah. Right. yeah, right. You better, you better really know your system and know your guys' strengths and weaknesses, and and, and be realistic about it. I think the Rangers, if they were guilty of anything where Profar is concerned, and look, he's he turns twenty five tomorrow today. Okay, right. he's twenty five as of today. There is still time for Jerks and Profar to become a, a a star in this game, and maybe he will. Uh, he's been he's been beset by injuries. He's been beset by losing the position to a guy who was performing well. He's been beset by by the idea that the Rangers were going to turn him into this super utility guy. He's had some things go against him. So I don't want to completely rule this guy out, but but I do think you better know your guy's strengths and weaknesses and not only see the possibilities for guys. You have yeah. to be realistic about what they can and absolutely. Can't do. So let me ask you this, and we, we, we've we got to move on, but I've got to ask this question. If a guy is a high prospect of Organization A, and Organization A has a reputation for producing really good players, or at, and, and if got, compare him to a high prospect in Organization B, where none of their high prospects ever turn out, does that... That's well known in baseball, right? I, I would assume that you, you got... Oh, I think that... I think the Dodgers. I think when you go back to the '90s and you look at the Los Angeles Dodgers, they both knew how to game the system in terms of hyping their prospects, and they had a long history of player development. Right. And they they parlayed that into into guys who had a lot of value. Now, a lot of those guys didn't end up being the superstars that they were supposed to be. Todd Hollinsworth, for for one example, Todd Zeal was a very serviceable big leaguer, but he wasn't he wasn't the superstar that that I think people thought he was going to be. That Adrian Beltre guy. Um, was I, pretty I, good, I may be, I may be misspeaking on Zio. I'm sorry, um, but but I'm talking about Hollinsworth. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's teams that know how to gain the system, and there's teams that have a reputation for having developed great minor league systems year in and year out. I think to some extent the Braves did that in the '90s and and and, and 2000 and. Uh, you know, I I I don't know that the Rangers. The Rangers have produced some really good players from their farm system. Ian Kinsler, 
I, I think you've got three core players right now that are, that are really good from the farm system. Um, but as Kevin says, the guys who have become big-time pitchers, Rangers are still lacking having developed those guys. And they've got to find a way, regardless of how we want to rate their minor league system or how we want to rate their evaluation process, they got to find a way to start developing pitching, um, starting pitching, and they've got to they've, they've got to do a better job. It, it, it has been, um, it, it's been. It, I, I think that if you want to go back, if this window of opportunity is closing on the Rangers, and it's been a nice window of opportunity here for for nine years, if it's closing, it's because the Rangers haven't been able to develop their own starting pitcher. Evan, this has been fabulous stuff. Uh, we'd love to talk more about. It. I'd love to talk about the fact that it's you know you you see one thing you've seen so far this spring is uh, Jeff Bannister saying, "Hey, let's let these guys play one. These young guys play one position, you know, or, or one or yeah. two positions. Let's let's let Joey Gallo play first base. Let's let Jerks and Profar play middle infield and maybe a little third base. No, you no, know, let's no, let no, yeah, stay in right field. Right yeah, let's let's leave him out there. It's interesting to me because these are." These are things to me that uh, what you're saying is that you you basically made a mistake last year. Uh, I think you put too much on these guys' plate. You overemphasize the super utility stuff. Yes, absolutely. You know, you you can maybe do that with a guy once he's established himself as a big leaguer and he can add some more to his plate. But the Rangers tried to the, the Rangers tried to put a bunch of square pegs into round holes last year and I, I think it, it worked to the detriment of some players and, and to some players you know to some players credit hey Joey Gallo played a lot of positions last year he learned what he needed to do and, and, and he, he there was no reason that playing left field and first base and third base that didn't impact him last year but I think the Rangers feel like just playing first base this year will allow him to focus down even harder on what he needs to do offensively to make himself the best offensive player he can be. Correct. Evans, always great. Love having you on. You know, Anytime we can get you on this podcast, we love it. We love having you on, so we'd love to have you back next week if possible to, to talk some more I'll about be, the Rangers. Go out, go uh, out. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Go out and enjoy that Arizona heat. Won't you? <laughs> There's no Arizona heat. Oh. There, you know, there's nothing yeah. more depressing to me than bad weather in spring training. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to be great. That's what everybody thinks about a spring training, great weather. And when it's bad weather, it's, just, it's really depressing to me. I hate it. Well, the sun's out and it's, it's 50, but um, 50. It, it's colder. That's nicer than it is here in DFW, I'll tell you that well, it's right warmer. Now. It's warmer here. How about it, the rain? Yeah, it's, it's raining a little bit. Fifty in the morning is fine in Arizona as long as it, it warms up in the afternoon. But yeah, right now it's not warming up in the afternoon. A little brisk. All right, Evan, be careful out there. Bye, bye, everybody. See ya. Boy, there goes Evan Grant. Now you think his dauber is down now? Oh, it's really down now. Evan's uh, dauber. It was, it was, it was down coming into this thing. But, but he, he goes, he has that Cause Evan, Evan podcast yeah, personality. Yeah, he, but here, here, I'm gonna tell you something. I know Evan. He's 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 on board somewhat with the Rangers' philosophy and what they want to do here. This thing starts dragging out, and they're 15 games out. And he has to go in, out in to May, the ballpark. And he's yeah. got to go out there every day. He's going to hate this. Well, he it's not. It's no it. fun. It's, it is. It's, it's no fun. And the people you're dealing with, are, 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 the players, they're are not miserable. happy. They're not happy to see you. The the manager's not happy to see you. No. The front office is not happy to talk to you. No. It, it could be a long season. And and the fans start going south on you. And the when the fans go south, and Evan's got a quite a Twitter following, and he keeps up with them, and he, 
He keeps a dialogue up with them. And I can tell you right now, if he's going to have to be going back and forth with these people for this year and next year and the year after that, that will get old really fast. And that's what I'm saying. I think you need to keep – there's a way to keep yourself reasonably competitive in this game and, and, and make it at least interesting and make it to where you're not putting so much pressure on young pitchers well, to come up. And that's why I mean, like they, they, they have to go out and spend some money on pitching. You're, you're hitting the, the button there. I know because I'm, I'm trying to clear my throat. Yeah. But what I'm saying is look at the Rangers as part of the whole, the whole DFW sports scene. Right. The Mavericks. Right. Eh, they're terrible. Know, the Cowboys disappointed. Yeah. And, well, and they disappointed. But they're, they they, dis- but I don't they, care no, if they no, finish 97. I know, I know. But they they're, disappointed. But they, they're still. But you're still looking at a future here. These got these are very young players but, on this team on on the Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they've got a future. But, but we, there was issues with the Cowboys. There's issues with the Mavericks. Can you can you clear your throat? <clears> throat> Golly, I don't know what it is. Oh my gosh! But but and you know the Stars. One week they're they look unbeatable. The yeah. next week they can't beat them. You know, but at least they're them. competitive. You but, know, yeah, I, and and they're fun, but. They're the fourth team on the totem, right? So it's it's not much. So, but I think when you add it all up, and then the whole summer, if the summer's gonna be, it's going to be even worse. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing about baseball is that there's that whole summer when there's nothing else going there's on except training camp. Yeah. So you know it, it, that gets. I'm, not, I'm telling people, don't think that this is going to be the Astros. Uh, no. If they go, if they if they tank, they're things go wrong, you don't hit on these players. The Rangers just showed that with Dylan Tate, the fourth pick of the draft. They gave up on him within a year and traded him for a rental who was who was basically no good. Uh, and who was through. But, you know, when they through. made that trade, I remember I was, I was in New York on the day they made that trade, and people in New York go, the Rangers just won the World Series. Well, everybody loved Carlos because he was having a good season. Everybody thought he was going to be the and difference. He was a post- and his specialty was the postseason. And if, if John Daniels has made mistakes, it's been those kind of mistakes. That's why he made the Ryan Dempster trade, which gave up Kyle Hendricks. That's why he made the uh, Matt Garza trade, which was a worse trade, uh, and gave up uh, you know C.J. Edwards and Justin Grimm, a couple of really good relievers for him. Um, but really, and as, as we just talked about, too, and we could, I think it's all fascinating stuff. For all the talk about trades and giving up guys and what they gave up, Kyle Hendricks is the one pitcher that they gave up who's turned out to be a really good pitcher. Uh, and, and that's – and, of course, you can't that, – that's the thing about people that but, don't but, understand but about we, pitching. We just did a whole podcast here about how you have quantity, some, somebody will emerge. Right. Well, that's just it, though. The, the point is, is that once you get – you don't have to get a lot. You just have to get a couple. And then they hopefully last with you a long time. And, 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 but that's the way – it's almost like trying to find a quarterback. You've got to find five quarterbacks. Uh, every year. That's a, that's a you, tough thing. You to can do. tell us about a column you wrote about the Cowboys drafting quarterbacks. No, I'm not going to no. talk about that. All right, so let's say goodbye to everybody. Go. We have David Moore coming up. He's chomping at the bit to get into the studio he's here. He's pounding on the door, I think. Well, he's going to be on the phone. Oh, Kevin. Okay. All right. All right. So for Kevin Sherrington, I'm Barry Horn. Evan Grant in. Where is Evan Grant, Kevin? Surprise! <laughs> you like saying that, I don't do you? I love saying that. Do you, do you do that around your house, too? No. We no. don't talk about spring training around my house. All right. We're talking about figure skating and dance, uh, ice dancing now. Are you really? Yeah, Eddie okay. loves it. I I tried to. I, I was out with some people yesterday. I tried to get them to watch college basketball. I tried to get them to watch women's college basketball. These they they insisted apart upon watching ice dancing all night last. I, night. It's crazy, isn't it? It's it's unbelievable. But for Kevin Sherrington, I'm Barry Horn. For Evan Grant, out in the desert. Goodbye, everybody. 
Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya. Yeah.